All right. Hey, one more time for Jen Boren, if you don't know Jen. Man. Okay, and, and uh, has our band not just knocked it out of the park every single week for this series? Man. I mean, we are, we are absolutely blessed that we have this kind of talent on the stage. We should never, ever take this for granted. I'm, I'm just telling you, I, as a pastor, I'm privy to all pastors everywhere, to what they're dealing with, what their struggles are, and, and finding people that can lead worship, that can, can, can sing, that can play, is, is probably the hardest thing next to finding somebody that can lead children, okay? Those are the two hardest things to find in the church, and those are two of the most important things in the church. And we are on a level, hang on, hang on, we're on a level of, of many, what you guys, how many of you have ever heard the term mega church? Raise your hand if you heard the term mega. A mega church just simply means a church is like over, over 1,000 or 2,000 people. And we're on that level of talent and, and ability. I've got uh, friends that are like, hey, do you have anybody around? I'm like, nope, don't have anybody. We're struggling. We don't have anybody you can borrow. <laughs> so now you can give them a hand and, and let them know how much you love them. All right, the last week of the Playlist series, uh, if you're new to Core Church or this is your first Sunday to join us for this, this series, we've done this series for quite a number of years. It's our anniversary series we like to do every year. My background is radio. Uh, I got a chance to go around and see all these morning shows. That morning show, this is what's weird, that morning show, the K-Hits morning show, now broadcasts out of the same studio that I used to broadcast my morning show out of 15 years ago. So it was very surreal to be back in that environment, back into that studio, and with those people. And I was like, man, I am so glad I'm here now. So glad I do this. Um, not that I didn't love that, but I love what I do now. And so what we like to do is just take different songs from the radio, because one thing I learned from being in the radio industry is um, I hate, I absolutely hate the term secular music. I don't like that term. Never have liked that term. I don't even understand that term. I don't know what that means, because here's what I know. It's either God's music or it's not God's music, okay? If it edifies God, if it edifies God, it's God's music, no matter who's singing it. If it brings honor and glory to him in any way, it's God's music. And so that, we like to put these Christian labels on it and secular labels. I don't even know what that means. I just, it's either God's music or it's not. But we like to take different songs that are on the radio that you hear um, or that you don't like to admit in church that, you know, I kind of know I do know that song. I know it by heart. I don't want to say that in the church. Uh, but you may know those songs. You may not. But I like to take those songs, and then we, we speak about them. Like, what is the message of that song? What is that trying to speak to us? So today, let's go to Genesis chapter 37, because we're going to talk about bad blood. Bad blood today. As you're going to Genesis chapter 37, it's in the front half of your paper Bible. If you don't have a Bible, uh, at the end of the service, you can come get them right here at the front of the auditorium or uh, out in the Next Steps room. They're free. You don't have to ask any questions. We'll just give it to you for free. Or if you have a mobile device, uh, download the Bible right there. I read out of the New Living Translation. Uh, when you look in the Bible app, it's NLT is what I read out of. And we're going to read a little bit about the story of Joseph. I'm going to talk about this guy named Joseph. And you may be familiar with this story or you may not. So let me give you uh, just a real quick synopsis and review of Joseph and who he is. He's one of the patriarchs of the faith. You have Abraham, Isaac, and then Jacob. And Jacob, this is his son, okay? So um, Abraham is his like great-grandpa. 
And so this is his story. He has this dream. And in this dream, he's dreams two different times that, that he is going to be uh, in a high-level leadership position. And sure enough, as the story uh, unfolds over several chapters, we see that that actually does happen in Joseph's life. Uh, you might remember him. He's the guy that got the coat of many colors, okay? You may have seen the billboards in town for uh, Joseph and the Technicolor dream coat. Okay, this is the guy we're talking about today. And so he, he rises to second in command of the entire world pretty much at that point. He is second to only one other person. God takes this dream and rises him up to power. But it doesn't come without a lot of pain. It doesn't come without a lot of wounds, and it doesn't come without a lot of hurt. And so we're going we're gonna to look at that uh, today. So let's go to Genesis 37, and we're going to be uh, reading starting in verse 1. So Jacob, this is his dad, settled again in the land of Canaan where his father had lived as a foreigner. And this is the account of Jacob and his family. And when Joseph was 17 years old, any 17-year-olds in the house? 17-year-olds? Got some 17, 17, 17? All right, look around. Raise your hand. Be proud. You're 17. Be proud. Okay, this is Joseph's age right here. All right. Stand up. If you're 17, stand up. Come on. I just make you stand up. Stand up. Come on. Come on. We got Joseph's in the house. We got dreams about to be born. We got blessings about to unfold and be poured out in Jesus' name. Woo! Come on now. You just, you, you take that as a joke or you can just receive it, Okay. Joseph was 17. He was your age. This is, so this is your story. This is, this is your story. All right, so he's 17 years old, and he often tended his father's flocks. He worked or like mowed his dad's yard. That's what my son does. He's 17. He mows his dad's yard. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bil, Bilhah and Zilphath. Now, Joseph reported to his father. Here, here, let's check this. Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brother's we're doing. Uh, now, can we just say that? That's a, that's a bad idea. Can we just say that? To, can you say it with me? That's a, turn to somebody next to you. That's a bad idea. Yeah, so, so Jacob, this is dad, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children. Again, this is what? This is a bad idea. It's a bad idea that leads to bad Blood. Yeah, okay, now you're with me. Yeah, it's a bad idea that leads to bad blood. So Jacob loved Joseph more because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. And so one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph. And this is probably what you've heard about, the coat of many colors, a beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because of their father, because his father loved him more than the rest of them. And they could say a kind word to him. So one night, Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers about it, Bad idea. Come on, can we say that together? Bad idea. Anybody learning anything so far? I mean, this is preaching itself right here. So he has this dream, and he told his brothers about it. They hated him more than ever. And he says, listen to this dream. So he tells them about the dream. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly my bundle, it stood up, and guess what? Your bundles, they all gathered around mine. They bowed low before me. Is that awesome or what? 17. He's 17, okay? He's 17. That's all I'm going to say. His brothers responded, so, so, so you, you think you're going to be our king, do you? Do you, you actually think you're going to reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. Now, soon Joseph had another dream. And again, he told his brothers about it. That's what? A bad idea. 
He said, listen, I had another dream, and it's the sun, the moon, 11 stars, and they bowed low before me. Now this time, he told the dream to his father as well as to his brothers, and his, brother, his, his father scolded him. He said, what kind of dream is that? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? Well, yeah, actually you will. Uh, we'll find that out later. But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. Let's pray as we prepare to hear from God this morning. Thank you, Father, for all that you're doing in this church. Fifteen amazing years, God. Fifteen amazing years. You've been so faithful to us. And just in this moment, would you speak to us through the power of your Holy Spirit? Uh, Churches, pray for for the people around you. You, If you know them, pray for them by name. Uh, You don't have to do that out loud, but Maybe the people in front of you or behind you, just, just pray a blessing over them. Maybe you're sitting by that 17-year-old and pray for them. God speak to them. And if you're that 17-year-old, you pray for that adult next to you or that person that's younger or older. Let's just pray for one another right now because we need to hear from God this morning. Pray for me as your pastor. I want to be faithful. I want to be faithful to what the Holy Spirit wants us to hear today. And if you're ready to hear from the word of the Lord in Jesus' name, give me a big amen. Well, bad blood is uh, synonymous with sports, isn't it? Um, you know, that you always hear those announcers, they say, oh, there's bad blood between these teams. I mean, they, they don't like each other. Uh, we know Bedlam. Yeah. <laughs> Bedlam, there's some bad blood right there. All right, any Sooners in the house? All right, any Cowboys in the house? <laughs> Sit down. Sit down, sister. I, I, you know, I have never, ever seen you even worship like that before. And I'm just telling you what right now. This is Wendy English. She's a member of our leadership team. I have that right to do that. So, love Wendy. You got your little orange power on, yeah. Uh, Red River Rivalry's coming up. That's another one. That's a big one. Uh, high school sports is one. Uh, BA Union's a rivalry. It wasn't much of, much of anything this year. Uh, Jesus, help Broken Arrow. God, help us with that. Um, I live in Broken Arrow. My kids go to Broken Arrow. One of these days, we're going to the promised land in Jesus' name. I declare that. Man. Uh, Union Jinx is a, man, anytime you got to rent out a college stadium, you know you got yourself some bad blood. Uh, it even goes down into rec sports, does it not? I mean, it goes down, man, you, parents of rec sports, it's just, it's just crazy, like, Parents will be like, oh, man, I just, oh, we're playing our rival this week. Oh, I just hate and despise these. They, they just, they cheat, and they, they undercut, they do all this bad stuff. And you're like looking at me like, isn't your kid seven? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, they are. But I'm just telling you, ooh, we're going to get them. We'll drive them into the ground. I mean, parents are in it. And you, oh, you moms are the worst. <laughs> Come on now. Man, because you're mama bears. That's why. I mean. That's just what you are. You're going to protect your cubs out there. That's how that's going to roll. And I, I remember my kids all had played sports, and they, we grew up going to tournaments and all this stuff. And my oldest son, he played on a traveling team, a basketball team, and we traveled and went to national tournaments and just had a blast, loved doing that, and it was so much fun. And we ended up down at this national tournament down in, in Florida, and we had taken a young man with us that was a member of our team. This kid was by far one of the best players in the state, Okay. Uh, I mean, he was just unbelievable, unbelievably gift and gifted athlete. And so we were, took him with us. And the reason we took him with us is because he came from a broken home. Uh, his mom worked several jobs just to try to put food on the table. There's no way she could afford to go 
to this tournament, and she had to work and take care of other siblings that were in the house or other children. Dad um, lived in the same town, but wasn't even around. And uh, I, I love my wife because she just kind of took him in. And she went to visit the mom and said, I'm going to take care of that boy. And so we loaded up, and we went to Florida. And, and we were at this tournament, and Laura did. She, man, she's just a mama bear around this kid and took care of him. And sure enough, we get to the tournaments, and we're in the games, and, and you know, everybody's shouting and screaming. You know, and here's the thing. When you, when you shout and scream, shout and scream for your kid, but, but, but don't be ripping on the other kids, okay? What is that? I, I never understood that. These kids, we went, they were 12, okay? Now, I, now, granted, our kids were different than your kids because they were all going to get scholarships, go on to play professional sports, and that's why we were spending thousands of dollars and out practicing nine days a week. Because my kids, my kids are different than your kids. They're special, they're gifted, and that, that's a whole other sermon. Okay, so we're down there, and, and the parents are going crazy, but there's this one mom. We're sitting in the stands, and there's this one mom, and she's like two rows below us, and, and she starts chirping and yipping at our players and then starts picking on this kid that we brought with us. And she was picking on him because he was absolutely tearing them apart. And, I mean, he was just weaving in and out of them, and she, and she was relentless. And Laura, she's up there like this, and she's just, she's just fidgeting, and she's just like, ah. and, and truth is, all the parents were. We were all just a little upset, and we're just like, man, what is this? Like, who does she, she think she is? Now, back the story up just a little bit. Laura had brought a flag, an Oklahoma flag. Because uh, you moms, you, you celebrate your children like none other. And so Laura, she had this huge flag on this stick. It's a massive Oklahoma flag. Whenever we do anything great or we come in for the game, she'd be like, woo! And she'd be screaming and waving this flag. You moms all do it. You know you do. You got your terrible towels. You got whatever you got. And this is her. She's got this huge flag. And so she's doing that. And, and so this lady, she's one, one play, this kid, he has this breakaway. He literally just tears apart the whole defense, runs through five different players and up, and I think he shot a layup. I mean, they're 12, but I'm, just for the sake of this, he slammed it down. He just dunked it, okay? Uh, I don't know if that happened, but it makes the illustration better. And so, so he just throws it down, and this lady just starts, just comes on glued and starts just going at him. And that is when my wife lost it. The flag that she had, she was like, oh, oh, no, you didn't. And she raises up. She starts waving this flag. Not like this. She starts waving it over the lady's head. Yeah. Booyah. Woo. Come on. What now? That, you're going to enjoy this sermon today. Is that the way we act as Christians? It is. It is how we act. <laughs> And this lady's like, oh, wait, wait, she's just coming on. And I mean, and Laura's like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my goodness. This is not going to end well. Ladies, ladies, ladies. And we, we, got, it, we got them calmed down, and we didn't end up on the, on the news that night. That was, that was good. But, but there, there's bad blood that happens between sports teams. There's bad blood, though, that happens in, in life, is there not? Because, because there's, there's people who have wounded us, there's people who have, have hurt us, and, and, and we want to take that, that flag, and we just, we just want to wave it right in their face sometimes, do we not? I mean, think about it, sometimes it's a boss, a boss who did not treat you right, not handle the situation correctly, and, and suddenly bad blood between the two of you, or maybe it was a, a spouse, and there's 
been some, a wound, a, a hurt, something that happened in, in your marriage, and, and, and it created that wound and that hurt, and now there's, there's some bad blood between you. Or maybe it's between you and your child, or between you and your parent. Or, uh, there, there's all different ways in which we, are, we get wounded, in which we get hurt. I want you to picture that, okay? I want you to get a picture of that in your mind. Who is, who is that person, and what was it that, that happened to you? And, and what is your reaction? And when you think about that, what, what is your natural reaction? How have you reacted? Don't you think about that. How have I reacted to that in the past? Now, today I want to ask as many of you as possible to take notes. So take out your phone or take out a pen, whatever you want to do. Because uh, if you have that in your mind, you need to write some things down today. Because what I'm going to give you today is going to be very practical, very helpful. Um, and what I'm speaking out of is my own hurt, my own pain, my own struggles, my own wounds. So what I'm going to give you today is not prescribed out of a book. It doesn't come from some other place. This comes directly out of my own life and how I've dealt with wounds and how I've dealt with hurt in my life and how I process that in a healthy way. Because we need to process it in a healthy way. So first thing I would like for you to write down is this. Okay? Here's what I want you to write down. How I respond when I'm hurt determines how I heal. How I respond when I'm hurt will determine how I heal. So what we're going to do today is we're going to look at these three wounds that Joseph suffered. He suffered three of them, three deep wounds, and we're going to look at the response to those wounds. First thing I want you to write down, we're not going to put any scripture on the screen here at the beginning. Um, I want you to write down Genesis 37. You can go back and read that later. Genesis chapter 37. Here's the wound that, that Joseph suffered, the wound of deep betrayal. The wound of deep betrayal. Joseph has this dream. We just read about that dream, and tells his brothers about it, and then, and then his brothers are off working, and his dad uh, sends him to go check on his brothers, and he goes to check on his brothers, and when they see him coming, they're so jealous, they're so upset, they're so turned around about him being the favorite, that they decide they're going to kill him. They're just done with him. So they're going to kill him, so they decide, you know what, let's throw him in this well, let's throw him in, in this pit, and, and we won't actually kill him ourselves because we don't want the blood on our hands, which doesn't make any sense because they're going to have blood on their hands either way. But they throw him in this, in this pit into this well for him just to die. And then while he's in that pit, while he's in that well, they go over, they sit down, and they have a meal together. They're, they're putting their brother to death, and they're over here having a meal and, and, and laughing it up. And then one of them says, hey, hang on a second here. I don't know that we can cover this up. I don't know if we want blood on our hands. I don't know if this is going to work out. Maybe we shouldn't do this. And so they get up this plan, and they decide they're going to sell him off to some traders. Some traders come by, and they decide, you know what we're going to do? We're going to sell him off. And they sell him off as a slave to Egypt. Joseph suffers this deep wound of betrayal. At, at some point in your life, if it hasn't happened already, somebody's going to betray you. And, and a lot of times, it's those people that are closest to us. Well, what's interesting about betrayal is that hurt is proportional to distance. Uh, the closer that person is, uh, the, the more it hurts. And it's because it's usually that betrayal comes because you just didn't expect it. Like, like he did with his brothers, like that just came come out of left field. Like it, it's, easy, it's easy to get over that, that hurt of like getting cut off in traffic. You ever got cut off in traffic and you just go, you, you just say, I can't believe, Ugh! and then what, an hour, two hours later, you're not even thinking about it anymore, right? 
because hurt is proportional to distance. The closer they are to you, the more that it hurts, and usually really, really hurts. That betrayal hurts, and it's only betrayal because you trusted them, because you were counting on them, and you thought that they were one way, and they turned out to be another. And that is a deep, deep wound, and that's what Joseph suffered here. That's the first wound he had was this wound of betrayal. The second wound is found in Genesis 39. You write that down, you read that later. Genesis 39, and Joseph suffered the wound of false accusations. This is a tough one because he he gets sold as a slave into Egypt, and when he gets to Egypt, he goes to uh, one of the um, government officials' homes, a guy named Potiphar, and he serves in Potiphar's home, and, and he's doing good. Things are actually going really well for him as well as it can go as a slave, and, and he is, ends up being put in charge of all of Potiphar's house. Like He's, he's in charge. Joseph is, uh, it's almost like his dream is coming to, to pass, and so here he is. He's in charge of the, of the whole house, but Joseph has something working against him. It's the same thing I have working against me, is he was incredibly good-looking. All right, okay, can I get an amen? Okay, never mind. All right, so Joseph, though, he, he's a really, really good-looking guy. And, and Potiphar's wife begins to lust after Joseph. And she's always trying to get him cornered or get him somewhere, and he's always like, no, no, I can't do that. No, no, I can't do that. No, I can't do that. I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I'm a child of God, and I'm a Hebrew. That's not how I roll. And, and she keeps pressuring him and pressuring him and pressuring him until one day she pressures him so much so and he has to rip away from her and when he does he leaves his cloak he leaves his coat behind and and, and she screams out rape he's like what and she accuses him of rape and she goes and says go get my husband and her husband shows up and he says man yeah joseph came in here he just tried to rape me i don't know who this is that you put in charge but he shouldn't be in charge potiphar gets really upset there's no trial He just gets immediately sent to prison. You can read about it in Genesis chapter 39. Joseph has the wound of false accusations. Have you ever had somebody do that to you? Make make a false accusation against you? Like maybe it was an ex. (laughs) Maybe you're you're going through a divorce and they said some things about you. Maybe you're you're dealing with it right now. Maybe you have an ex-spouse and they're saying things to your kids that you know aren't true. And you're like, man, no matter how I try to defend myself, I don't know what I'm going to do. Maybe it's at work. Maybe it's a coworker that's jealous of you. Maybe they, they, they have some false accusations they put against you to say that you're cheating or you're doing this. Or maybe sometimes it's a subtle thing that somebody says you're two-faced. You're, you're not legit. Like you're one way, oh, he, you know what, they're that way in public, but you should see how they are behind the scenes. And they're challenging your integrity or your character. And you're like... I'm a person of integrity. I'm a person of character. Why, why are they saying that about me? It's, it's these lies of false accusations, and Joseph dealt with the same thing. The third one, the third wound that Joseph suffered is in Genesis chapter 40. It's the wound of broken promises. Joseph's in prison, and, and he's there for a number of years and one day, the cupbearer to the, to the king, king of, uh, to Pharaoh, is imprisoned, and so is the, the baker. And, and so they, they come into the prison, and they have these dreams. And they go to Joseph, and they say, hey, could, we heard you can interpret dreams. Would you interpret our dreams for us? And so he does interpret their dreams. Well, it doesn't work out so well for the baker guy. works out really good for the cupbearer. And, and so these two guys then are, are released. And he, when they get released, he says, hey, 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 when you get back to Pharaoh, um, would you tell him that I didn't do it? 
would you, would you, would you remember me down here? I didn't, I didn't commit this crime. I'm, I'm rotting away. I did nothing wrong. Would you, would you remind him of that? And, and in chapter 40, near the end of the chapter, it just simply says this, and they forgot about Joseph. They've completely forgot about him. Listen, people are going to make promises that they're not going to keep. Sometimes that is a spouse that made a promise. I was at a wedding last night, and I heard that, that promise to love and to hold and to cherish and, and the way I'm going to treat you and how I'm going to stand by you. And maybe they didn't do that, a broken promise. Maybe as a, a child, you have a parent didn't keep their promise to protect or to care for you. Maybe it's simple as work. Maybe it's something in the workplace. You were promised that new job. You got, I got a job for you. It's going to be a great job. And so you quit a job, and then you go to take that new job, and they're like, oh, yeah, sorry, it didn't open up. Sorry about that. And you're left hanging in the unemployment line because somebody didn't keep their, their promise. Remember, how I respond when I'm hurt determines how I heal. How I respond when I'm hurt determines how I heal. So let's look at this. How did Joseph respond? Well, Joseph was betrayed. In chapter 37, he was betrayed, but he didn't let betrayal turn to bitterness. This is so important. He didn't let it turn to bitterness. If, if you're taking notes, write this down. Don't let bitter nest, okay? Don't let bitter nest. We are really good at building bitter nests, are we not? We're like, we just get so upset. We get, we get so turned around at, at what, what somebody did to us. And, and so we just start gathering little twigs, don't we? Oh, and then they did, they did that. Put that in mind. Oh, and then they did that. And you put it in there. And, and what do you do? You think about it. Right, you process it, you know, you tell that story one more time. Oh, I need to go get some more twigs. I need to tell that story again. And you just start weaving this bitter nest. And then what do you do? You give birth to little bitter babies. Here's, here's how you give birth to bitter babies. You gather people into your nest. Hey, oh, do you know what they did to me? Let me tell you what they did to that person and what they, who they are. And no, no, let me tell you. Oh, you need to come in here, come in, chirp with me. Chirp, 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 chirp. And then these babies are chirping, so you got to feed them more, don't you? You got you to feed them more. And then they did this, and then this happened, and then this, and then this. And, and isn't it crazy how one person or one situation can dominate your life? Like it takes over your life. That's what bitterness does. It takes over your life. It's all you can think about. It's all you can process. I mean, it, it, it controls you emotionally. It'll even control you physically. It can drive you into depression because you allow bitterness to hang on to you. Listen, Taylor Swift, she's the queen of this. Listen, you betray her, she's going to put you in a hit song and you're going to play over and over and over and over again. Little bitter babies. Beep, 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 beep. She's going to make a hit record out of you. You can't let bitterness. And when we look at Joseph, Joseph's life, what we see in this is when his brothers were hurting him, God was preparing him. When his brothers were hurting him, God was preparing him. And in other words, this is for you. If someone is hurting you, God is getting ready to do something great in your life. When people are hurting you, God is preparing you. Get a, get a new mindset. Get a new mind shift on this, okay? you got to think differently 
about the wound and the hurt and the betrayal that you suffered. Joseph did. He said, all right, this is coming at me. And he said, okay, you're trying to hurt me, but God, but God has a plan. God has a promise. God has something he's going to do through this to fulfill his promise. And he did because the very pit that he was thrown in, the well that he was sold in, the well that he was thrown in, and then he was sold into slavery, his brothers, God used that to get Joseph to Egypt so that he could go from the pit to the palace. God said, I, okay, you can't, super, you can't supersede my plan. My plan is going to happen. It's going to take place in their life. But what did Joseph do? He trusted God. No matter what, no matter the hurt, no matter the wound, you've got to determine, am I going to trust God? If you will trust God, he will see you through that pain. He will see you through that betrayal. He will see you through that wound and that hurt. But only if, like Joseph, you say, all right, God, despite what I see, despite the hurt that's coming my way, I'm going to trust that you are going to use this. You are preparing me. In fact, Joseph, when, when at the end, when he rose to second in command, and we'll get to this here in a moment, but he rises to second in command, and then his brothers end up through a situation coming up and seeing him, and, then, and he, they don't know that it's Joseph that's risen to second in command. They've forgotten, and they, they look, and then all of a sudden they recognize, oh my goodness, you're Joseph. Oh my goodness, this is not going to end well for us. But it says this in Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20. This is what Joseph said when he was second in command. He said this to his brothers. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for what? All for good. God intended it for good. And if Joseph had let bitterness in his life, he would have never risen out of that pit. If he just said, I can't believe they did this and this happened, he would have just wallowed in that, built this nest, and he would have died in his bitterness. But he didn't. He trusted God. Then you go to verse uh, chapter 39, and this is where we see Joseph was falsely accused. But when he was falsely accused, he didn't let accusations turn to anger. He didn't let those accusations turn to anger. So many times when, when, when somebody wounds us, when somebody hurts us, we, we get angry and defensive, don't we? Isn't that a natural reaction? I do that. When somebody wounds me, when, when, when somebody has some false accusations against me, my defense mechanisms go, go up. I want to lash out only to defend myself, okay? I'm, I'm, only, I'm not doing this necessarily to get back at that person, but I, I've got to defend myself. I've got a name here. I, I, I got to get back what was taken from me. So what do we do when somebody puts some false accusations? If you've got their phone number, what do you do? You whip out their phone, your phone, you're like, I'm going to text them right now. We'll tell you the what for. Boom. Okay. Uh-huh. Or, or, you, or, or if it's like at work, if it's a coworker, or it's, or it's your boss or it's a family member or whatever, sometimes that you, you, you say, I'm, I'm going to do better than that. Text won't get it done. I'm sending them a book. I'm going to send them an email because that's going to get more. And you sit down, you're like, that's good oh i can't forget this i gotta go back up back up rewrite this sentence and you just you just oh i'm gonna tell him and then bam yeah what now uh-huh what's your response how did that work out for you okay or here's one that is the worst and if you do this i'm not pointing you out but i'm just telling you don't do this Get on Facebook, <laughs> and you decide, 
I'm going to defend myself on Facebook. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get on there and I'm going to tell the whole world what this person did, but I'm not going to name them. It's going to be cryptic. I'm going to not say who they are, but like nobody knows you, like everybody knows who you're talking about. And you're like, I'm going to say it this way. That way that person knows I'm talking about them, but then I can say, I never used your name. And it, you write so much that it says, continue reading. <laughs> That's the worst. Taking notes, write this down. I, this is not from me. I heard somebody say this. I can't remember who it said it, so I, I can't give them proper credit, but this isn't mine. I thought this was so good. Jesus can turn water into wine, but he can't turn your whining into anything. Jesus can turn water into wine, but he can't turn your whining into anything. Look at Joseph. Joseph, he's all over the tabloids. He's all over the Egyptian tabloids, you know. Servant rapes Potiphar's wife. I mean, he, he can't defend himself. He's rotting away in, in a prison. Uh, con, he's convicted, not accused, convicted of rape. And he never did it. And all the way through, you can read it in the account, all the way through this, I don't know why, but he remained silent. He never said, hey, 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 whoa, 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 that ain't true. What you're printing in that tabloid, that ain't true. Joseph didn't run over and fire off a text to Potiphar and say, oh, your wife did da 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 He didn't put, get up on Facebook and say, hey, hey, hang on a second. Let me tell you what really went down, what really happened. No, he didn't, he didn't do anything. What did he do? He trusted God to defend him. See, when it, when it comes to hurt, when it comes to the wounds that you suffer in your life, you've got to be resolute and you've got to determine, I I'm going to trust God. I'm not going to trust in an email. I'm not going to trust in a text. I'm not going to trust in the person who wounded me. I'm not going to uh, trust in a judicial system. I'm not going to trust in my, in my family or my friends. Or in, I am going to trust in God alone that he will take care of this. That's what Joseph did. Because think about it. If he'd spent, think about it. If he'd spent all of his time trying to vindicate himself, trying to defend himself, he would have never, ever gotten out of that prison because the cupbearer would have, would have come to him and would have been like, hey, uh, dude, I've had, I've, I've had this dream. I don't understand what this, what's this dream. Could you, I heard you interpret dreams. And Joseph could have been like, dreams? <laughs> dude, I, I, I'm in here because of a dream. Let me tell you what happened to me. I don't, I don't want to hear your dream. I don't want to know nothing about your dream. Let me tell you what happened to me. All right? If he had done all of that, he would have never seeing the plans and the purposes of God fulfilled in his life. But he didn't. He trusted in God. Then you go to chapter 40, Genesis chapter 40. You read that later. But Joseph had some promises that were broken. The cupbearer did not fulfill or, or keep his promise. But Joseph, Joseph didn't let promises turn to pessimism. He didn't become pessimistic. I mean, he, he could have if he wanted. He could have spent, man, if it, it wasn't for that cupbearer, I'd be at the palace right now. I mean, if he had just said what he was supposed to say, I wouldn't be stuck here right now. He could have been pessimistic. He could have blamed it on everybody else. And this is the truth, though. When somebody breaks their promise, isn't it difficult to trust again? It's difficult to trust when, when someone has, has hurt you, when people are breaking their, their promises and 
you're sitting there and, and, and they've told you they're going to keep this promise till death do us part. Sometimes it's even hard for you to trust your second spouse or, or another relationship. Maybe you've gotten into a relationship and that person wounded you and Maybe it's a parent and you just struggle or, or it's a child or, it's, or maybe it's just in the workplace that you're a boss or a coworker has wounded you or burned you and you sit in the workplace every day and you're sitting next to this person and you're like, I, I don't trust nobody. I don't trust nobody. I don't listen. I'm, I don't tell anybody what's going on because I can't trust. And your trust just breaks down because you, you become a cynic. You just think everybody is, everybody's going to break my trust. Because when somebody close to you breaks that trust, it's difficult to rebuild that. And, but here's what happens even worse than not being able to trust people, is you stop trusting God. Because you think, well, obviously this happened and God could have stopped it from happening, but he didn't stop it from happening. So trust God? Trust God after what happened to me? This is what Joseph could have done right here. He could have said, yeah, trust God? dream trust god you know where i'm at i've been accused of rape i'm in prison cupbearer's not even talking about me where hello god hello why would i trust in a god when i'm here this is all you you know what i'm saying am i going to trust god but when you suffered a wound when you suffered betrayal when you suffered hurt you have to determine you have to be resolute in that moment am i going to trust god no matter what i i want to tell you today be resolute in that be resolute no matter who wounds you, no matter how deep that wound is, no matter what, how upside down it gets you, no matter how confused you are about it, no matter how much you wonder, listen, I have been wounded to the deepest level in my life. And when I see that happening, the questions come, God, why did this happen? Why is this going on? And why is this? And then the enemy, enemy loves to bring the why questions, okay? He loves to bring the why questions because he wants to ultimately destroy your soul. That's what he's after. He didn't care about anything else but your soul, and he wants to take your soul down. But Joseph, in this moment, I love Joseph. Is Joseph here in Genesis chapter 39? He's, um, let me set this up just a little bit. He's in prison. Nothing's going right for him. In Genesis 39, 2, it says this. The Lord was with Joseph. No matter where you're at, no matter the betrayal you've suffered, no matter the false accusations, no matter the broken promise, no matter how destroyed your life is, no matter how much you've lost, the Lord is with you. He's with you in that pain, he's with you in that hurt, and he wants to walk you out of that. So you just, we just need to say that to one another. Just turn, turn the person, turn somebody by you and just say, hey, God is with you. God is with you. See, people may forget about you, but God never does. People may forget about you, but God never does. And how I respond when I'm hurt will determine how I heal. So Joseph rises to power, and he has this opportunity to exact revenge. He's second in command of all of Egypt. Only Pharaoh is above him. He's, he's the second most powerful man in all of the world, and he, this, is, this is his moment because... There's this famine that, that has hit the land, and Joseph had had a dream, and he interpreted the dream. I'm sorry, he had a, Pharaoh had a dream, and he interpreted that dream that there were going to be seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. So they listened to Joseph. They stored everything up, and then sure enough, the famine came, and his brothers, who were not in Egypt, were, were dying during this famine. And so 
uh, Joseph's dad says, <laughs> send, uh, sends all of his boys to uh, Egypt to try to get some food. They show up right in front of Joseph. They don't, know it's, they don't know it's Joseph. And then suddenly Joseph, when he's standing there and his brothers are begging him for some, for some food, he reveals his identity to his brothers. And look at his response. Genesis 45, 15. This is Joseph's response to his brothers. Then Joseph, what? He, what? he kissed each of his brothers. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, kiss off. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. But he doesn't. He kisses each of his brothers. He wept over them. And after that, they began talking freely with him. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Joseph, this is your chance. This is your opportunity to let them have it. Go Taylor Swift on them, man. Come on. Yeah, we got some bad blood. We used to have mad love, but now it's bad blood. I mean, I just let them. Oh, 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 and by the way, you guys, you stand right there. Hey, go get me Potiphar's wife. Yeah, what up now, lady? Remember me? Yeah, now who's in charge? Oh, get you. Wait, wait, wait. Where's the cup bearer? Where's the cup guy? Come on up here, Mr. Cup. Brings a, that's what I would be doing, but Joseph doesn't do anything like that. He, he has it in his power to exact revenge, and instead he extends mercy. He has it in his power to exact revenge, and he instead he extends mercy. Listen, here's the thing you got to remember. You have power. You have some power. And that power you have, in, with that power you can either exact revenge or you can extend mercy. This is what Jesus did. If you're a follower of Jesus, this is what Jesus did when he was faced with the cross. 1 Peter 2.23 talking about Jesus. He did not retaliate when he was insulted nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case where? In the hands of God. Turn to the person next to you and say, let God handle it. Let God handle it. Why? Because he always judges what? Fairly. Turn to the person and say, you're not fair. You're never going to judge fairly. You don't know what's right. You don't know what's right. You've been waiting to say that for some time, and you're welcome for that. Yeah, I mean, we're human, right? In our humanness, are we really going to be able to exact uh, justice and give out justice the way in which it should? No, we're not. we got to let God handle it. This is what mercy does. Mercy leaves judgment to God. In other words, mercy says, God, I don't know what to do. This person has done this to me. This person has wounded me. They've hurt me in this way. I don't know what to do, God, but I look to you and I ask you to do what is just, right, and fair. You can't do that unless you fully trust God because you're going to want to step out there. You're going to want to do something about it, but you can't. You got to be like Joseph. You got to say, all right, I'm going to step back. I'm going to trust God that he's going to do what is just, right, and and fair. And I, I think that if anybody can handle it, Jesus can handle it. Because he suffered all three of these himself. Betrayal, false accusations, broken promises. Betrayed by one of his best friends, Judas. The guy he trusted brought into his inner circle and the guy just turns on him. False accusations, he's standing before the religious leaders and they're just making up stuff. Just making up stuff about him. What does he do? He stay, stands there silent. 
broken promises yeah all his disciples we're never going to leave you we're going to be right by your side no matter what happens we're with you jesus what happened on the night he was arrested they all fled they all broke their promise but jesus response has to be ours the people were crying out crucify him and jesus cried back forgive them they're yelling crucify people in your life are yelling at you crucify them and our response has got to be back to them forgive them what does that mean when you say i forgive them it says i'm releasing that i'm releasing justice to you god I'm not going to hold on to it. I'm not going to figure all that out. I'm going to give it to you. You will do what is just, right, and fair. We have no power. We have no strength to forgive on our own. We have no power. We have no strength to give mercy on our own. But through Jesus, we have the power to do that. If you've ever seen somebody who's forgiven someone, or maybe they've walked through a betrayal, or a broken promise, or a false accusation, listen, I can tell you with what I've dealt with in my life, the pain and the struggles I've dealt with, I've had people look at me and they're going, how are you walking like that? Why don't you want to just kill that person? Why are you not up in their face? And I go, because it's not me. I know what I would do in my own strength, but I have to turn it over to Christ, and it's Christ who gives me the strength to forgive. It's Christ who gives me the strength to extend that mercy. And when I give that over to him, what I'm saying is, God, I'm going to let you handle it. I have the power to exact revenge, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to extend mercy, and I'm going to trust you to do what is just, right, and fair. So when you're hurt, how are you going to handle that? I'd like for us to bow our heads and we're going to pray. I want you to think again of that person or that incident, someone who's wounded you, someone who's hurt you. And today is your day to forgive them. Today is your day to extend mercy. Today is your day to just drop it. God, I'm, I'm giving it to you, and I'm going to trust you. So here's what I want to ask you to do, just right where you're at. If you have, if you need to give mercy and forgiveness to someone and today you want that to be I, don't, I just want you to stand up right where you're at and then don't move just stand up right where you're at if you have somebody right now in your life and you're like I need to forgive them I need to extend mercy to them but Brad I don't have it in my power to do it so I'm going to stand in faith right now I'm just going to stand in faith and I'm going to say to God I forgive them God I'm giving it over to you to do what is just right and fair Maybe you've wounded someone. I want you to keep standing. Maybe you've wounded someone today. Maybe you're the one who needs repentance. You, you've done the wound. You want Christ's forgiveness today. Maybe you're not a follower of Jesus, and today you want to make that commitment to follow him. I want you to stand right where you're at and, and seek that forgiveness of God. Say, boldly, I've wounded somebody. I've hurt someone, and I need God to forgive me, and I want that person to forgive me. I want to get right with God. I want you to stand up right where you're at right now. Okay, and, I, and, and just seek God. Maybe you're not a follower of Jesus, and today you say, I am going to begin to follow him. I want him to forgive me. I want him to come into my life. So God, we give this to you. You see those who are standing. You know the wounds. You know the hurt. But today, would you bring forgiveness? Help those who need to extend forgiveness and extend mercy, God, through your power, through your Holy Spirit. Help them to do that today, to release that to you. 
for those, God, who are seeking forgiveness, for those who say, I've wounded somebody, I've been the one that did it, I hurt people, and I need God to forgive me. God, would you do that today? I thank you for forgiveness. I thank you, God, that you make us new. In Jesus' name, amen.